I lost Del Rio, the Harper Lee of dance anthems. Oh, that's so disrespectful. That is um, so disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> but the Macarena really did open America's eyes to race relations, just mm. as Harper Lee did 30 years earlier. So, <laughs> so uh, how yeah. have we got Macarena and Harper Lee in the same sentence? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Crack on with the episode. Did Harper Lee do the Macarena? Everyone oh else did. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. To kill the Macarena. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hello and welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three uh, chiselled, strapping young men... Chiselled? Chiselled? Well, getting, getting there. We're supposed to be painting a false image of ourselves with our people listening so they think, oh, this is a podcast done by hunks, I must listen to it. Yeah. We're going to be reviewing all 163 episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, one episode and one week at a time. Uh, As always, my name is Phil and I am your guide as such, your host of this podcast. Uh, To my right is my good companion, uh, Mr. Chris Evans. Hello, Chris. Can I be known as something else today? What would you like to be known as today? Expect me to think of something witty off the top of my head. Yes. Okay. Um... Um, Graeme Riley sat to my left. Um, so Graeme, how are you today? I, I'm Raquel Welsh. <laughs> you might think that's a bit of a throwback to a weird comment, but because Raquel Welsh plays a, a role in our episode today, so not only is Graeme trying to um, get across to you at home that uh, he is a beautiful actress of old, that how, how did you put it when we were watching it? I, I didn't intend that comment for broadcast, but. What the hell? All of our fathers have probably masturbated to Raquel Welsh, I said. And that's what—that's the insinuation that Graeme is trying to make himself, hence why the nickname that uh, probably yeah. all of your fathers have masturbated over the idea of Graeme Riley. Oh, well, yes. That's, that's a, given. <laughs> it's I, a given. I feel like we've crossed a line here, guys. We have crossed a line, we have haven't we? Very line. early on into <laughs> the podcast and today's episode. Um, I do apologise if you were eating any lunch and we're already... Uh, spoke, said uh, masturbation three times, the third time being there. Um, so we're cracking on with episode seven. <laughs> Not cracking one off. <laughs> no, no. So this is episode seven. Thank you very much for joining us uh, this far. And we're on to our seventh chapter. It's entitled Third Aunt from the Sun. And a little bit of a synopsis. Sabrina meets her aunt Vesta, who becomes a bad influence on her, putting her friends and homework in jeopardy. Now, we need to discuss um, an issue which has probably been knocking around in my mind for the last 16 years. Phil, yes. you are a man from the north of England, as Indeed. are the three of us. We are the, the people who say bath, not bath. We say grass and not grass. We say aunt and not aunt, apart from you. Why is this? I've always said aunt. <clears throat> it's how it sounds, A-U-N-T. Or, well, I mean, really, you should be aunt. But it's probably better because it means we know that you're talking about insects. Yes. When you say ant, rather than when you say aunt, when you could be talking about incest. We don't know. Yeah. Um, well, no, no, I, I, I've, always, I've always said aunt. I mean, I've never said bath because it's not B-A-R-T-H. Bath. But aunt, yeah, it's not ant. I guess. So I feel I've been saying, I've been pronouncing it uh, better and properly, if anything. Okay. Chris, where do you weigh on that? Graham's had a big... Uh, Issue with it. It wasn't a go, it was an observation. Well, I thought it was a go. It's just a pronunciational inconsistency. (laughs) Well, I've been consistent with it, though. Well, that's true, but it it was the elephant in the room. Okay. Okay. 
scone or scone? Hey, here we go. If you say scone, we are going to have to put you in a car and drop you south of the Watford Gap. Um, <laughs> well, it's scone then. Yeah, yeah, it's scone. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise, yeah, no, it's scone because the joke doesn't work. Then otherwise, what's the what's the fastest cake in the world? Scone. Ah, doesn't work with scone. It doesn't. So but then again, though, you're, if, you did, if, you're you did, only... if you did pronounce it scone, then the other jokes of what's the fastest dessert in the world? Meringue. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just end the podcast there? Thank you very much. Episode 8. You found it very funny for something so awful. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, enough uh, dilly-dallying, enough tomfoolery. Chaps, are we ready to talk about episode 7? We are. We are indeed. Chris, when you can regain your breath and uh, remove the sweat from your brow from laughing so hard at my gags, are you okay? D- uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, without further ado, we're cracking on with third aunt slash aunt from the sun slash son. The episode opens up with Sabrina and Zelda arguing about Sabrina's belly button, saying she can't do anything with it, i.e. get it pierced, we assume, is what she's on about, as uh, Hilda makes comments saying, oh, does she still want to hang her keys from her navel? Hmm. Well, you know, at the end of the day, uh, not being a 16-year-old girl, but knowing Or people, having been one. Or having been one. But Lord willing, someday I will be. <laughs> <laughs> but having grown up with uh, an older sister and having friends of the age of 16, when I was 16. <laughs> yeah, not when now, I was 16. When you were. When I was 16. And then one, it was a very, like, early 2000s, very 90s thing to want. Yeah. I... I, I don't really recall. I, I don't know it was anyone. A show, it was a show of age, wasn't it? It was yeah. to say like I am old enough to destroy my body. It was it was a stamp of of being that age where uh, yeah I'm starting to rebel against my yeah. parents. Independence. Yeah. Independent. Yes. Indeed. So she wants. So Sabine wants to feel more independent. And it's her body. Well, she says that. She says. Um, um, she says it's my body. It's my belly button. I can do uh, what I want with it. Uh, Zelda says, um, but you're 16. Only when you're 18. Will you be able to do anything with that? Until then, it's ours. Hilda recalls a time when she had Cromwell rules tattooed on her shoulder. To which Zelda corrects her and says, it wasn't there. So it begs the question. First of all, why the devil would Hilda have a tattoo that says Cromwell rules? When obviously that's... I'm assuming that's Oliver Cromwell and it's England. So was she here during that time? We've already established multiple hundreds of years she's been around for. Yeah, but was she in England? I thought they might have stayed in America, but if they travelled, that's fine. But at the end of the day, if it wasn't on her shoulder, then where was it? And it was for the reaction, it's either got to be on the inner thigh or the buttock. Mm. Or the breast. Or Or the the breast. breast. Oh, yeah. And does that also imply that maybe Hilda and Cromwell were... Getting it on? Maybe. Um, yeah, so we've established that Tilda was a bit of a, a reckless a child as well, getting a tattoo. Um, she says she had to wait two centuries before she could get it lasered off. Well, yeah. Well, she could get it removed. Removal yeah. wasn't until... Yeah. yeah. So well. at least it's very factually accurate with the with the timeline of the world, anyway. Um, Sabrina storms out saying that when she's 18, she's, she'll get everything pierced. Only to, teach a, uh, only to teach a point, Zelda puts a bone through her nose. Yes. So there we go. Child abuse. <laughs> in in magical form, I guess. Yeah. So I guess we, we can allow it. So the titles assume, and um, so we see obviously the, the opening credits as always. Uh, at the end of it, um, what she what she dressed as? She's dressed as a soldier. She says it's camouflage. I'm over here. That's really shit. 
That's a really shitty. But but it is a it's a shit joke that has stood the test of time. Because what this camouflage is still a thing. <laughs> No, because that joke is still said on many multiple occasions, and I, every time I'm just like, ah. Yeah. She was like the 90s John Cena. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, you can't see me. Yeah, and also not very funny, so. Uh... <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh, the, uh, uh, after the titles, the episode opens, um, and we're in school. Sabrina is singing, Shake your whammy, fanny, funky song, funky song. Uh, to which uh, then Jenny asks Sabrina if she wants to go to the movies. Before saying, what's that song you're singing? Shake your whammy fanny funky song, funky song is actually a funky song indeed. And it was written especially for this episode just for an in-joke. And it will play throughout the entire episode. But it does it does get in your head, doesn't it? It does. Um, this this episode, while we talk about the writing, um, was written by Nick Bakai, who is the voice of Salem. Oh, so, okay. So it's very, it's, it's funky, written by a funny man. Yes. And a funky song. Indeed. And it's a funny episode. Yeah. Chris, do you like the song? Do you think it would, uh, did it, do you think it'd be in your head for the rest of the day, rest of the week, rest of the year? It's going to plague me, yes. It's yeah. going to plague you, okay. So, uh, yeah, so shake your whammy, fanny, funky song, funky song will play a large role in, a large funny role in this episode anyway. Um, so anyway, so Jenny asks Sabrina if she wants to go to the movies. She says yes, but she has to be back home before her midnight curfew. To which Jenny then replies, oh, I'm so jealous how strict your uh, your aunts are. Being home at midnight on a school night... Is no, it's a Saturday night. Oh, it's a Saturday, sorry. It's a Saturday, yes, yeah. that she's going to be doing. So, But still, being strict... Midnight curfew for a 16-year-old. That's, that's oh, still a bit lean. Yeah. yeah. It, that was like a, a wondrous moment. It was like, I've, I'm going, Mum, Dad, I'm going. You can stay out party. into the next day. Just. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, I know, yeah. That is amazing. Uh, yeah. It was like, no, it was like 10, 11 o'clock, maybe, if I was very lucky. But mm. never midnight. What no. is this, like, Cinderella? And a, and a large sort of thing that looms over this episode is... Sabrina's portrayal of Hilda and Zelda thinking they're no fun or people tell uh, another Aunt Vesta that we meet later on telling her that Hilda and Zelda aren't fun but st- being allowed out till midnight that's pretty fun to me that's uh, that's not strict yeah. at all um, so Jenny says yeah she's jealous of Sabrina's strict aunts which is a bit strange anyway, well, she says I mean teenagers like rebelling and apparently because her, t- her parents are such free spirits she can't rebel because they're cool with everything yeah they're so. cool with everything they're so nice and she can't rebel so she's yeah, yeah. poor poor sod we're in, uh, we're in Mr. Poole's class, and everyone on a massive boombox is singing Shake your whammy, fanny, funky song, funky song Shake your whammy, fanny, funky song No one else joined in then. Can we join in? I, I'm doing backing vocals great, great. on the funky yeah. song bit. Yeah. This is, this is okay. It's going to play me. Okay, well, yeah. this song will get repeated. I, 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 can't, I can't do lead, I can only harmonise. <laughs> this, um, uh, yeah, this song will play... An, Probably another four times as of the episode. Will you, will you join in with me at least by the last time? <laughs> are we going to sing it every time it every, arrives? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, of course we are. How I'll, much I'll, is... let, I'll let these past two slide, but how, I want I want how... you guys to cut to uh, to come in as an ensemble for the rest how... of the song. <laughs> how much of this episode is going to be us singing? Because that will not be fun for. No, that's not exactly. So... It... We'll see. We, we'll make it fun. <laughs> Graeme said he's good at harmonising I'll take the lead you I didn't can... say he was good at harmonising <laughs> I said my, the badness of my voice could be buried more when I'm harmonising and not singing lead anyway let's just let's just sing when we get to it boys okay come on it's fun it's a fun podcast that's our fun while we're doing it 
<laughs> so, uh, Mr. Poole, anyway. Fun should I be dictated to you? <laughs> <laughs> this will be fun. We will have fun. You must have fun. You sing this song, it will be fun. It's nothing like forced fun, is there? Um, so, Mr. Poole says, Oh, shut that off. Please shake your whammy fanny. When I was growing up, we had good music. To which then Harvey goes, Didn't you grow up in the 70s? Mr. Poole goes, Yes! Never mind. It sounds more like a 70s song than a 90s song yeah. as well. Shake your whammy fanny, it does. Yeah. Oh, I'm saying there was good music in the 70s. Yeah. There was, yeah. There was. So, you know. Yeah, Bro- Brotherhood of Man, <laughs> yeah. for example. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> no, <but laughs> screw you. <laughs> so, uh, in class, they're learning about skin, naturally. Uh, speaking of which, Mr. Pills starts violently itching, having to run out the class like a maniac. Yeah. You just can't seem to... This itch has suddenly come over him. He can't get rid of it. He runs out screaming and just leaves the class. The uh, the students bemused about what's happened, what's overcome Mr. Poole. Well, we don't know. We don't know. But we're about to find out because in walks a new substitute teacher calling oh, wait, herself no. Mrs. Vesta. Awfully sorry. Before yes. that happens, my good man, mm-hmm. they turn around. Now, I, I did like this moment because it's something that has definitely stood the test of time. It was like, what do we do now? Our teacher's gone. It was like, well, if he's not back in five minutes, we can go. It's the five-minute rule. To which then yeah. Sabrina goes, it's been five minutes, let's go. And that's exactly what we were like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If they're not back in 30 seconds, we're off. But yeah. It's the five-minute rule. Yeah. It stood the test of time. I I still have students that say that. Yeah, 20 years on, 20-odd years on. Wow. Yeah, that was yeah, a very high school thing. I like that. Yeah, that yeah. can't be our so 90s thing because that's that's so relevant. That's so know, yeah, school still and it. probably always it. has been and always will be. So <laughs> I just really enjoyed it. I yeah. was like, ah, it still happens. They all forgot about that. No, thank you, Chris, for that. Um, so, yeah, so this new substitute teacher wearing all red, this uh, sort of beautifully elegant uh, woman comes in, calling herself Vesta. And much to Harvey's delight, of course, he starts sort of grinning and giggling a little bit when she asks him what they're learning. Uh, begrudgingly, Vesta teaches a science class about skin. Yes. Um, after the class, uh, they are dismissed. However, Sabrina has to stay behind because, ta-da! And funky music sound later. It's Aunt Festa, another crazy aunt from her father's side of the family. Yes, and played by, as uh, alluded to earlier, Raquel Welsh. Now, oh, Graham, you seem like a man who's got a piece of paper with a bit of information. About oh, Raquel Welsh. oh, I, I, I do. Um, yeah, um, Raquel Welsh. Um, if you grew up in the late sixties, early seventies, as I say, Raquel Welsh was your dream woman. Um, she was in a lot, a lot of films around then. Uh, One million years BC is what she's best known for. Even though she only had three lines in that film. Wow. But she was on the poster in a bikini. And every um, adolescent of that time had that poster on their wall. Wow. Um, she was also in the best-known film version of The Three Musketeers with uh, Ollie Reed and uh, Charlton Heston. Um, and A Hundred Rifles, Bedazzled, uh, with Dudley Moore and uh, Peter Cook. Uh, quite quite a few uh, notable films. Yeah. Oh, yeah! Bedazzled! That's where it... That, yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Um, and she was voted by Playboy, I assume around about the time of the millennium, she was voted by Playboy the third sexiest woman of the 20th century. Wow. So, there you go. And there, there was a lot of years in that century, wasn't there? It was. Voted the third yeah. sexiest. I don't know who the other two were. Um, we can only imagine, can't we? Marilyn Monroe and Julie Andrews. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe we should find out. We'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. But yeah, wow, so she's a very sexy, elegant woman. Yes. Playing a crazy kooky aunt yeah. who... Um, yeah, her dresses get a bit more questionable as the episode uh, progresses, but we will get to that, don't you worry. You'll, 
you'll definitely want to watch this episode after we've talked about it. Different realm, different rules. <laughs> yes. Um, so she shows Sabrina a photo of her to prove that she is part of the family, That uh, not that being a witch is enough. Um, but shows a picture of her, uh, Zelda, Hilda and Andy Warhol. I would not let Andy Warhol near my children. <laughs> um, um, so uh, Vesta wants to catch up. Where shall we go for some good coffee? I know, Paris. <laughs> Funky music uh, again, which is, uh, we've heard music sound before, or, or a little jingle sound when uh, magic has been cast. Nice sort of fairy tale kind of sound. Whereas every time Vesta does it, it's a bit sexy. Oh, Chris oh. Chris has the sexiest... Uh... Number one, Marilyn Monroe, as um, um, mentioned. Number two, Jane Mansfield. Jane yeah. Mansfield. And then it's Raquel Welsh, then... Uh... <clears throat> Bridget Bardot, Cindy Crawford, I'm just going to do that entire list, Sophia Loren, Elizabeth Taylor, of course, then Pamela Anderson at eight. Hmm. Mm. Above Bo Derek. Hmm. Anyway, all, anyway. all these women are white. Playboy, racist. <laughs> um, I got a tick. So getting back to the um, the magic sound, so we've heard this sort of fairy tale music's being played when magic is cast, but when um, Raquel Welsh, when uh, Vesta does it, it's a bit funky. It's a bit to show that she is different in yeah. a way. She's a bit uh, above the rules. Yeah, a bit, a bit radical, yeah. Um, so yeah, they go to Paris, uh, where there is a, an empty table and two chairs and coffee waiting for them, as if as if the, the owners of the cafe were just waiting, just waiting for them just to appear. And you know it's Paris, because you can see the Eiffel Tower out the window. Sure, it's not Blackpool. They just went to the wrong place. Well, I don't know. Could be Vegas. Could be anywhere. Couldn't could, it? could be like Orlando Windsor. Could be the Lego Eiffel Tower. I yeah. don't know. The only thing we do know is <clears> that it's the same set that was used for the party. Yeah, the Halloween uh, party in the other other realm. Yeah, if you're seeing but... the Earth out the window, we can now see uh, Paris. We see the sweet uh, gay Paris. Um, so anyway, they're in the French cafe drinking uh, their coffees, um, and Sabrina says Hilda and Zelda don't let her drink coffee. She says three sips, and she's already vibrating. Oh, the evil bean, as Vesta says. <laughs> Uh, she mocks uh, Hilda and Zelda saying that she is a very different and she hates living on earth and can't stand mortals because get this, they are so bitter for working hard for everything so the reason she hates people is because because they work hard <laughs> because they work hard and they can't just make things magically appear well I'll tell you Vesta <laughs> we work hard but at least we can get brands yeah Vesta yeah although her name is obviously a brand of um of a lighter fluid, so uh, <laughs> Swan Vesta. So, uh, okay. so uh, yeah, so yeah, screw you, Vesta. We we we're a proud mortal nation, aren't we, Chris? Sure, yeah, sure. M- yeah. Mortal hashtag mortal and proud. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, um, so yeah, after saying that um, mortals are so bitter for working hard for everything, uh, Sabrina says, like Mister Poole. Speaking of which, what did you do to him? <laughs> She says, oh, I just gave him a 24-hour bug. We then cut to Mr. Poole screaming in his bath, being tortured by a massive insect. <laughs> this just brilliant. This costume must have been lying around from something else. Right? It's like something out of Doctor Who or something yeah. like, like that. Or go- Goosebumps. Goosebumps, probably, yeah. yeah, for something of that time period. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just this giant, giant eight-foot insect just... Antagonising Mr. Poole, who's screaming like a girl behind his shower curtain. <laughs> just the most, because obviously, you, you, oh, I gave him a twenty-four hour bug. You don't expect the cutscene. You just assume, oh, he's just going to be a little bit under the yeah. weather for twenty-four hours. It's such a and, rapid cut as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it's and it's and then so just, surreal. As quick as it appears, it, it's gone, and that's yeah. it. And it's so stupid, but it, oh, it's 
it's so funny. It's magical, isn't it? Yes. And uh, yeah, God, yeah. Imagine being Mr. Pills sat in that bath, being antagonised by a bug for twenty-four hours. Oh. Oh. oh, luckily, it's not the last of Mr. Pool of this episode. So, <laughs> imagine if that was how they killed him off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic! So yeah, so uh, Mr. Pool, we know what uh, what's sort of preoccupying his time. Uh, Vesta then reveals that she lives somewhere called the Pleasure Dome. Ooh. And that Sabrina should visit, but she doesn't think Hilda and Zelda will allow it, but is assured she shouldn't worry. So, the Pleasure Dome. We've not seen it just yet, but what do you make of the name well, so far? Well, it was just instantly, oh, that's a strip club Yeah, in Amsterdam. <laughs> it is legit the name of, well, probably several real strip clubs, and also at least one fictional one in uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Pleasure Dome. Bit you- seedy, and as we find out, the name kind of kind of lives up to that name. Yeah. yeah. If, if you think, ooh, I've got some questions about the Pleasure Dome, uh, they will be answered very shortly because whatever you think the Pleasure Dome is going to be like, it's pretty much The, the Pleasure Dome is whatever you want it to be. Yeah. But what Vesta seems to want it to be is a little bit inappropriate to be taking a 16-year-old girl to. But, yeah, um, one thing yeah. We, we were you discussing... Take me, hands down, yeah, feel free. One thing we were discussing was, is this a place that anyone can go to? Well, any witch can go to, or is this uh, Vesta's... Home. I think oh, it's, yeah. I think it's where Vesta lives. Yeah. Well, we we established that. But before we established that, I was like, the bloody south of France again. You know, in in the episode when the the Halloween episode when they go to the party, it was like, oh yeah, we honeymooned in the south of France. I had a massive issue with that because they've got a whole other realm that they could have gone on. Why did you go on holiday to the south of France? And now we find out that in the other realm, there's a place called the bloody Pleasure Dome, which is perfect that, for a honeymoon. Yeah, and you choose to go to the south of France, and we also find out again that. Which is really like France, because she could have taken it anywhere in either realm, and she takes to Paris. So uh, I just why? What is it with France and witches? I just don't get it. I just you have an entire other realm. Why would you? If you're if you're listening to this in France, specifically the south of France, please get in touch and let us know what what you think is so appealing about that part of the world for witchcraft. We've yeah, I mean we've got nothing against France. Uh, Nous sommes très désolés if uh, we caused you to think that, but. If I had a choice between going to France and another realm where magic happened, I'd go to the other realm. Depends what kind of magic you want happening in... Any magic can happen in this realm. Whatever you want can happen in the Pleasure Dome. This is established. (laughs) Whatever you want cannot happen in... Can. So... (laughs) You know. um... Unless you're an actor submitting a film into a film festival. But then you might not win. You know, you might get booed. Could be awful. Yeah, so, go to uh, the Pleasure Dome, submit it there. And submit it there, it. and you've got... Uh, anyway. You, you've got an, admi- an adoring audience who will applaud and compliment anything. So, I just, uh, it just, it vexes me. I still don't okay. understand it. Boys, why don't we Why don't we just calm down no. a little bit? We're, no, uh, just, I'm just, okay. Because both it's of you almost... are scolding my cheeks with this <laughs> steam coming out of your ears right now. Like, It's it's the same as, as, as teenagers... Being polite. It just it doesn't make sense to we're me. We're not angry, we're just confused. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're Mark Wahlberging right now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back at the Spellman's house, Hilda and Zelda are fighting over the armchair decor because they say that this armchair has looked terrible for the next couple of years, uh, past few years. Let's make it look horrible for another few years. They're, it's really poor decisions. Um, that's what they're fighting over. Salem comes in and says that Sabrina's school rank and said she has missed her last five classes. Which begs another question. How the hell did Salem answer the phone? 
<laughs> I, seriously, how the hell did he answer the phone? Yeah, I mean, he could easily put on the voice and say, "Oh, I'm Sabrina." Oh, no, it's it's on it's the wall. I know that. I know. That's what I was just about to go to. We can. We can. Oh, yeah. Salem's got a voice. He can speak to the school. But no, how did he answer the phone? Put it back. Because he can't. He did can't he just, do magic. No. So. Did he just lunge himself at the wall when the phone went off? Where were Hilda and Zelda when the phone went off? Why yeah. did they just were they out the house? It's never explained. How did he? Well, this the this, phone? An, this answers a question which um, which I've, I've thought about, which which was a question that, that people were speculating in like the early days of Family Guy again. Yeah. Whereas we can hear Stewie talk, yeah, but do adults, yeah, hear him talk? And it begs the question. I was thinking through this. Can only the witches hear Salem? And if if Salem said to Harvey, for example, like, um, "Look at you, you curtain-haired fuck," would he just hear? I don't know. Maybe that will be put to the test later on, mm-hmm. as uh, some mortals do eventually find out that Sabrina is a witch. I do know, but I'm not sure how it's handled. Yeah. We'll wait and see. Um, Maybe but, Salem has a mechanical arm that answers the phone for him, like in the cinematic masterpiece Cyborg Cop. Maybe, maybe. Mm. Just, this is a niche podcast already, and we've already made an, an incredibly niche uh, reference to um, <laughs> that amazing movie. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah. How does Salem answer the phone? Maybe we'll explore that. Maybe we won't. Mechanical I, arm. I think it's more, yeah, mechanical arm. So, the mechanical <laughs> arm has answered the phone for Salem. Um, and her answer, so Hilda and Zelda are alarmed by the news and start panicking, only for Sabrina to walk through the house in a French ooh-la-la outfit. I've put, I, I don't really know how to describe it, it other than it, that. I, I, you'd go for like Audrey Hepburn, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, yeah, it is one of the outfits she wears in the opening um, titles. Yes, it is. From the mirror, yeah. yeah. Closely followed by Vesta, who presents Hilda and Zelda with some expensive-looking French bags that have only got gum in them. Oh, mm. Cheapskate. Hilda surprisingly shows disappointment, telling both of them that they can't just skip school, clearly showing that Hilda isn't actually the most reckless of the Spellman sisters. No, and that tells you how out there Vesta is. Yeah. That even Hilda looks rational and measured in comparison to her. Yeah, Yeah, by the way, Hilda, the murderer... Is like, no, that's too far. Yeah. And who knows how many uh, cavaliers she killed for Cromwell as well. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so kind of like the, the Spellman spectrum. So that you've got sort of Zelda on the end, very sort of uh, authoritative, very responsible. Uh, Hilda, who is shows a lot of care and concern for Sabrina, but still a bit reckless. And Vesta, who's kind of just selfish and just in it for her yeah, own. She herself. is the id. She is, and she yeah, she's an awful influence, which we're going to be exploring throughout this episode. Um, Sabrina goes upstairs to do her homework, and Vesta comments on Sabrina's seemingly bland upbringing, uh, to which both Hilda and Zelda defend, saying, here she's safe, she's disciplined, and has responsibilities. Mm. Vesta says that they're boring, to which Zelda says that she's been invited to attend a symposium in Texas, uh, concerning the Super Collider. Which means we now know Zelda's employment status. She is a scientist. Finally, all the little things about uh, we've seen her read some strange-looking pamphlets, the the knowledge she has of other worlds, uh, and the textbooks that Zelda is a scientist. Boys, did we think? Did we ever think that would be a job for a witch? Um, it's a little odd because obviously there is no scientific explanation for witchcraft. Mm-hmm. But I mean, she might be interested, I guess, in sort of the properties of the mortal realm. But Scientists probably paid a lot of money. This uh, town they live in is on the outskirts of Boston. She could work at MIT. This explains why they can afford 
this really nice big yeah. house. One thing I wanted to ask is um, on our uh, last, oh, no, our episode Terrible Things, mm. episode mm. four, um, obviously. Uh, during that, Sabrina made uh, gave Mr. Poole the knowledge to turn lead into gold, and that was yeah. the thing that re- that could cause catastrophic issues regarding unnatural alchemy. Yeah. And Drell brought that up because because that came to him. Um, what makes you think if Zelda is a scientist, do you reckon she subtly made changes to the world and made it a better place or a worse place? Uh, do you think? Well, what I'm asking is, do you think Zelda has used her magic in her scientific workplace? Well, maybe she became a scientist to try and like prove that magic is real. But they don't want people to know magic is real. Mm. I know, yeah, but maybe it was the reason why she got into science was sort of a a discovery of one. It's like, how does magic work? Yeah, perhaps, maybe. Hmm, maybe, maybe that's what drives her. Maybe she does a thesis or a paper on, on magic. Yeah. Maybe. Takes it on tour. Yeah. Very interesting. But yes, lo and behold, um, in the space of a couple of episodes that we were scratching our heads, what do these women do? We've learnt that um, Hilda is a musician. Yes. And we see a little bit uh, in this episode as well. And Zelda is a scientist. Very interesting. And as well, without spoiling too much, in our next episode, uh, we have even more proof that Zelda is a scientist as well. Oh, okay. So that's very interesting. So, um, so yeah, so that blew his mind a little bit. The phone rings and Hilda giddily runs in saying she's been invited to play in the, well, in the what? In the Conniff Trio, who we are to assume are a well-known uh, jazz trio, uh, but uh, the name Conniff, um, presumably, is a reference to Frank Conniff, who played Rudy Kazuti um, in an early episode and was also one of the writing team. Yes, so the, she's playing in the Conniff Trio this weekend at a at, at a, an amazing concert, um, but they both can't go, can they? Of course, because uh, Hilda's got to go um, and play her gig, uh, Zelda's got a conference to go to in Texas, if only there was someone around that can look after her. Lo and behold, uh-oh, Vesta. Looks like Sabrina is spending the weekend in the Pleasure Dome. Hooray! Oh, yeah. We don't need another hero. Oh, that was Thunder, <laughs> Thunder Dome. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the Pleasure Dome. We're going to see it, boys. Are we excited to see inside <laughs> the Pleasure Dome? Yes. I've seen inside the Pleasure Dome. <laughs> <laughs> Would you, is it a dome for, for your pleasure? That one in particular was, yes. <laughs> Great. what did you think of the Pleasure Dome? It looked is, exa- it, is it anyth- everything you hoped it would be? It looked exactly as I imagined it would be, i.e. like a brothel. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, inside this pink furry mortal banning Pleasure Dome brothel, uh, Vesta tells Sabrina that behind, uh, behind every door is a wish fulfilled. Behind yeah. one of them is everyone's favourite song, which is, boys... Shake your whammy fanny funky song, funky song... Shake your whammy fanny funky song. So Graham was a bit off base there. But Graham was in it all. Chris, you've yet to join in. So um, she says, uh, she says, oh wow, is that a brother's chunk concert? That's the name of these guys that have made this fictitious song. <laughs> um, to which then Sabrina enthusiastically says, fat, and that brings our that's so nineties. The idea of describing something as fat with a ph, of course, of course, with a ph. Um, boys, is fat a reference you ever used um, with the PH mind oh, uh, that, that you no, used with the pH, in the no. 90s? Was that anything you... Not really, no. I don't, I think, I don't think it was cool enough. No. <laughs> I used it in the early noughties, early noughties even, because I was a... In year 7 and 8 particularly, uh, 11 and 12 years of old, I was a bit tubby, and people used to call me Fat Phil. 
So I used to try and make it a bit more fun, make sure it wasn't quite uh, insulting to me. So I just, every time I saw someone write it, I just drew PH over it instead of F. So I then said, hey, Fat Phil's here. And it made me feel good, made them feel good because they were laughing at me. Um, so I didn't use it for enthusiastic positive reasons, but to negate the verbal bullying I was receiving. This just I, I, took and a... evidently written bullying. <laughs> <laughs> this this just took a turn, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is so dark. That is so dark. Um, <laughs> really dark. Mind you, you, you overcame it, and also you helped the alliteration of um, of your uh, of your name as well. Of course, P H A T P H A L. Yeah, of course. So yeah, fat filler, you know. So so yeah, so using the word fat to enthusiastically display your delight in something is our 90s thing, the most 90s thing of this episode. Just about. Oh yeah, because also there was the boombox. There was the boombox. There was Vesta offering to teach Sabrina the Macarena. Yes. Now, we've, I think, not touched upon this uh, subject yet, but um, for 14 weeks, including, the, I believe, the first four or five weeks that Sabrina the Teenage Witch was on the air, Los Del Rio's Macarena was the number one song in America. 14 weeks of the Macarena. Summer was long over. People, you know, we're getting back to normal. People going back to school. Things should have calmed down. It could have almost been a Thanksgiving hit, couldn't it? But they did. Yeah, it was nearly Christmas number one. <laughs> um, if you want to know how the Macarena infected American society in late 1996, I suggest that you watch the video of the Democratic National Party Congress in the run-up to the 1996 election. No. In between sessions. No. They play the Macarena over the PA and you can watch people, both the delegates on the floor and the general public in the uh, bleachers, everybody, almost everybody, at least a good 70% of people in the room, regardless of age, of gender, of, of race, they all stand up and make some attempt at doing the Macarena. Also, in a speech, Al Gore said, Who wants to hear the Al Gore version of the Macarena? And then he stood still and he was like, There it is. Because he's boring, you see. <laughs> right, that just, that, so that, the, that is just a sorry state. So the Macarena of was this global phenomenon. Yes. And the only thing that, what they call Los Del, Los Del Rio. The real, that it's the only thing that they're known for. Yes. A Los Del Rio, the Harper Lee of dance anthems. <laughs> Oh, that's so disrespectful. That is um, so <laughs> <laughs> this is just that is. First of all, that just shows that American politics is just a clown car. But the Macarena really did open America's eyes to race relations, just mm. as Harper Lee did thirty years earlier. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so uh, how have we got Macarena and Harper Lee in the same sentence? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It was it was always bound to happen. Uh, no, it wasn't. Anyway, crack on with the episode. Did Harper Lee do the Macarena? Everybody oh else my did. God. <laughs> To kill the Macarena. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. So it was like it was like I planned that gag all the way through. Yeah, excellent. Vesta pulls her away and takes her to another more exciting door. This oh, is door. That it? Is yeah, that it? you're just gonna stop now. Well, yeah, we're going back. This is a Sabrina podcast. This is, you know. No, I'm just saying. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. That's all right. Well, our disrespecting literary legends podcast uh, is uh, still to come, but. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, Vesta pulls her away, as I say, and takes her to another more exciting door. This door is the door of gratuitous praise. I Woo! like this door. And behind it is a dozen applauding, complimenting strangers. I like this door purely and simply for the for the one guy that was on the right-hand side okay, with the long blonde hair. He was just... He was so enthusiastic about his role about clapping. Well, yeah. I, th- I think we should give everyone listening, in case they haven't seen this episode and want to have a taste of what it would... I think we should oh, give yeah. it a go. You take the role of the long-haired chap at the front. Yeah. I'll just do a generic uh, wooing person. And Graham, um, any... Uh, what would you... I'll, I'll, I'll applaud and offer compliments. Okay, so you applaud and offer compliments. I will uh, applaud and woo. And you um, do the, uh, the the man that... Uh... Yeah, I'll do the man. Okay, do... okay so... Ready, go. You're so wonderful. You're gorgeous. Oh, my God. You're so beautiful. Oh, my God. I love you. You're gorgeous. Yeah, wonderful. So the gentleman Chris portrayed is really maximising his minutes in this scene as admiring onlooker number six. He's really having... He really he took that role to heart. He really he did, didn't he? To Melissa Joan Hart. Um, she also has a 24-hour mall, a restaurant filled with only ooey-gooey slimming desserts, and a room full of gorgeous single men. Oh. Sabrina then goes to have a gander, but Vesta tells her that she needs to keep men waiting, because they'll want you more. Now, boys, I know <laughs> she's just saying, oh, yeah, this is, oh, this is the secret to, oh, seducing a man. However, <laughs> I, was, more, oh. <laughs> I was, I was angry at this line because <laughs> she's yeah. giving out poor advice and stopping Sabrina telling Harvey how she feels. Oh, my God! More, somebody else obstructing the course of the best romance of the 20th century. Yes. All I'm going to say is if a, if a woman keeps me waiting, I'm just like, well... It's been two hours now. I'm just, I'm just gonna go. Yeah, the five, the two-hour rule. Yeah. No, yeah. genuinely, yeah. I've been in a bar for two hours waiting for a date, mm. and I got stood up. So yeah. two I think, hours I think is it's long bollocks. enough. It's bollocks. Do not keep a man waiting. If you like someone for the love of all that is holy, just tell them. Yes, and that's why I was angry at this because because Sabrina, as we progress, is getting a bit more confident. She's not told Harvey anything, but well, she did tell him to his face when he was frozen. Oh, when he was frozen, yes. But there's been a, you know, she's getting there. She's nearly there, um, and this sort of has to say, it, it's in a way of saying it's making her go back to square one. Yeah, you know, it's like she was at um, an AA meeting and she's had a drink and she's back at the start now. And she's yeah, got damn to... you, Vesta, you're an enabler. Yes, so <clears throat> not about, yeah, no poor, poor effort, uh, Vesta. Yeah. We cut to Zelda, who has arrived for her lecture, or at least she thinks so, until a school janitor corrects her. So she's been rused. She's in this room, which she believes is uh, this Texas University building, which seemingly, suspiciously even, has the same posters as the high school. Yes, with uh, with the dolphin poster that we made reference to uh, very early on, which just says uh, "Make time to giggle," and we do, and we do, we bloody do, made enough time today. Um, the janitor says, "Who's the meeting for?" And she says, "The visual engineers for the study of theoretical activity." Oh, says the janitor, "Why didn't they shorten it to Vesta?" So, this janitor is smarter than Zelda, the scientist. <laughs> yes, he's been able to read this and shorten it down to something related to Zelda's family. It's, it's goodwill hunting, is what it is. Mm. It's goodwill hunting. Yes, yeah, it is. Um, so, yeah, she's been rude, she's angry, and she says, Oh, Vesta. We then cut to uh, Hilda, and we find that she's playing her uh, violin, a uh, string 
Trio concert at uh, Daytona, of all places, uh, on the uh, Daytona racetrack. Um, Zelda says that they've been set up, uh, to which Hilda then says, I wondered why they booked a string trio at Daytona. A car explodes, just to show you how dangerous it is and loud it is. But Vester's trick backfired, Hilda says. The trio has been booked for the Indy 500. They then leave. So, um, you know, there might have been a... uh, It might have been an effort to embarrass and get Hilda and Zelda out of the way, but Hilda's come through with another booking and more cash for the decor. Hmm. So, well then, Hilda, your niche audience awaits. (laughs) We're back at the Pleasure Dome, and Sabrina is studying... Sabrina is studying and Vesta is trying to teach her the Macarena, as we mentioned. Uh, In a huff at Sabrina being boring, she tells her that she needs to sort out her priorities and have fun instead of doing homework. I'd just like to point out, there are many outfits in this episode, but this this outfit for Raquel Welsh is extremely booby. Extremely booby. Extremely booby. Yeah. I think that's the most polite way I can say that. Well, that's that's what that's when we found out a little about Raquel Wash because I knew the name, didn't really think of anything of it, and it was only when we mentioned like, oh wow, that outfit's a bit booby. Graham was like, oh, 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 oh I've got some facts about that, and yeah, it's then you, he you revealed you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, yeah, very booby, but um, so yeah. men of well, men of all ages, but particularly men of a certain age, would very much enjoy uh, seeing Raquel Welsh uh, their um, object of their adolescent desire. Yeah. Um, and seemingly. Easily again in 1996, still looking cracking. Well, Harvey had the hot story, didn't he? He certainly did, uh, and he's a, an actual teenager, the only actual teenager, and found yep. stunning. They join an impromptu conga line, only for Hilda and Zelda to put an end to it. All three aunts start fighting over Sabrina. She has enough and says she wants to have a say about her life, saying she didn't know she could stay in the other realm if she wanted. She didn't know she had a choice. Which then, when she's offered it, she chooses to stay here and have fun. Boo. Boo fun. Boo fun. Just get back to telling Harvey how you feel, getting on your, your homework and stop playing silly beggars. I'm sorry, but if my options were go back, do work, or stay in the Pleasure Dome, regardless of it, whether it's my Pleasure Dome or that Pleasure Dome, I'd stay in the Pleasure Dome. Well, that's what Hilda's then says. She says, oh, why would you choose the Pleasure Dome over high school? Oh, wait, that came out wrong. Of course it did. Not the best choice of words. Uh, Hilda and Zelda don't put up a fight to encourage Sabrina to change her mind and reluctantly go, leaving Sabrina a little confused. She's a bit confused as there weren't any can'ts and don'ts because that plays a, a role in the episode that Vesta keeps saying, in the Pleasure Dome, there is nothing you can't do, something you, nothing you can't not do or we won't tell you not to. You can literally do anything you want. So she's a bit confused as to why she didn't get a lecture before they leave. Zelda explains that the reason they didn't fight for Sabrina is that they don't want to upset her by saying what she can and can't do. It all makes sense now. They do have faith Sabrina will change her mind soon enough. Yeah. Well, we shall see. We will see soon, because we're back at the Pleasure Dome already for another go, and Vesta is getting massaged by the most mid-80s, 90s man ever conceived. And Sabrina comes in talking about all the cool things she's done, but she must sit down and read her homework. 50 pages she's got to read, chaps. Yeah, it's all right. And she's still on mitosis. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Mitosis is. Vesta says she can't spend a Saturday night reading when she could be starring in her own rock music video. Woo. She then describes the perfect 90s goth grunge video before uh, being interrupted by the phone. It's Jenny. Uh, you got the number from Hilda and Zelda. During the discussion about the rock video, yes. she says, I want clowns. And I am struggling to think of a rock music video that uses clowns. 
in the mid nineties, there are in, a lot, there yeah, are a lot like, of fucked up music videos. Yeah, I'm like sure. sad clowns. Yeah, but yeah. no, these were. I understand if they were like messed up clowns or zombie clowns, but no, just, or killer just, clowns or killer clowns, <laughs> eh? But just. Just clowns. So Jenny is on the phone, um, forgetting that she promised to go to the movies with Jenny. Sabrina asks if Jenny can hang out in the Pleasure Dome. But, again, no mortals allowed. <laughs> and also, I'd like to point out, if Jenny came to the Pleasure Dome and there was all these doors and so many, there was weird things behind, and how, how would you explain the door of gratitude? Or how would you explain magically being backstage at a concert? Or how do you explain through this door there's a giant water slide? I, how do you how would you explain that? What doors would Jenny be opening? What, because it, it's whatever you wish for. What what doors could be? Uh, a door where Harvey is a, a poet and an intellectual. <laughs> <laughs> a, a door where her parents actually have rules. Yeah. A door where she is class president and she's able to change things for yeah. the better. There's a lot Jenny could could um, could have in the pleasure dome, but she's not allowed. No mortals. No. So, uh, Jenny's a bit bummed that Sabrina is bailing, and Sabrina feels just as awful for bailing on Jenny. But she's not even tempted by a puppy. She's that upset. Oh, oh dear. In fairness, it wasn't the cutest puppy. No, no, no so it's a bit no. better puppy. Song. Yeah, it could have been fluffier. Sabrina says she's upset that if she stayed in the other realm, in the pleasure dome, uh, she couldn't see her friends. But Vesta shows her the super secret inside a vision, a TV which shows everyone on Earth. Gogglebox. Yeah, oh, don't get me started on that piece of shit. Seriously, get out. Oh, anyway, Inside Division is a TV which snoops on everyone, like Hilda and Zelda doing a Beatles jigsaw. Um, Hilda says, uh, (laughs) says, (laughs) (laughs) we realise it's a Beatles jigsaw because Hilda says, oh, I'm trying to find Ringo's nose. It shouldn't be hard to find. Zelda then says, oh, it's okay. I've been building it for a while and gives her a piece, (laughs) a couple of chunks that easily... Half a dozen pieces of jigsaw put together it just make just... Ringo Starr's nose. I'm not very happy at them making fun of my nose on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. He said, <laughs> said the fat <laughs> controller. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like. I hope <clears throat> the fact that they're doing jigsaws. I hope that they are little jokes about which ones they're doing. Even though the first one that they did was not a joke. What it was, was it? The Hindenburg. It was, it was the Hindenburg. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so well, it's the like Beatles' he... fault. Charles Manson killed all those people, so they're just as evil. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> um, so she cuts the Salem, who's moved into Sabrina's room, and he is singing Shake your whammy fanny funky song, funky song. Come on, Chris! Shake your whammy fanny funky song. I said I'd do the last one. Okay. And Harvey, who's doing the same? Shake your whammy fanny funky song, funky song. Shake your whammy fanny funky song. But he's doing it the best because he is jumping up and down like this rabid teenager just jumping on his bed and singing it out of tune, dancing out of tune. And um, but yeah. after he ate the truth bunt, he talked about dancing and singing in his room. Yeah. Um, so so that's, it's, yeah. that's character consistency. Very, very, very funny. Um, so Chris, you've only got one more chance to I know, sing the uh, song. I know. Okay. Um, so everyone's singing this weird song. Anyway, uh, she then checks on Jenny, who is upset, miserable, and crying into her textbook as she's spending a Saturday doing her homework. Oh. oh. But that's why it's called homework, love. Uh, Sabrina and Vesta both dress as dominatrixes, ready for her rock video shoot. And I said to both of you before this scene came on, I said, we've already seen Raquel Welsh a bit booby, a bit uh, glamorous. Mm. However, her costume is incredibly questionable well, in you one know, particular scene. And I deliberately undersold it to you. It's actually less revealing, but the, I don't know what, the subtext, yeah. the connotations of black leather 
squeaky black leather. Squeaky. Like it's, it's more. It's PVC. PVC. Black PVC, and a black hat like the cop in the village people would wear. <laughs> um, it's just so Amsterdam. Yeah. I, I know I've mentioned my own personal pleasure dome yeah. quite a few times. That's what would be in there. So, yeah, it's a very questionable outfit, yeah. gentlemen. Um, and it's, yeah, it's very, very weird. Because basically, whatever you were thinking when we were describing the Pleasure Dome, seeing this, it, yes, your your yeah. thoughts are correct. I right? mean, I, I, I'm not a father. I definitely don't have a 16-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. But in if, if, say, in 16 years' time or whatever or whatever it is, uh, my... My daughter, who was 16, says, Oh yeah, I was round at Aunt Vesta's, and uh, she was dressed in this black PVC outfit. I'd be like, you is not going there no more. And I would, I, will. Serious, <laughs> I would have serious words. Yeah. I wouldn't want a child subject to that. Yeah, I all of a sudden became quite worried for Sabrina. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, it's not that this woman is irresponsible and, you know, wants her to throw her life away and just have fun. This woman is into some fucked up shit. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, and uh, our, our hero needs to get away ASAP. Yeah. Sabrina is, has already been encouraged to wear this her rock diva outfit, which, which isn't is as bad as what Vesta's wearing, but it's still. But a it's bit still questioning. big, it's sort of knee knee high, high PVC, squeaky boots. PVC boots, sort of elbow. No, it was like ah, oh, it was yeah, like, up to a sort of in in, in sleeve, sort yeah. of t-shirt sleeve, um, kind of. PVC and then in, in in a uh, in a zebra print. Dress. Yeah, short dress, yeah. In fairness, in the 90s, PVC was in a lot more broad use. A lot, like, just girls on nights out would wear PVC. Um, it wasn't just a fetish item. Mm. So it looks worse now than it would have done then. To be honest, I never thought I'd be so offended by a hat. But it's because, <laughs> because she's wearing that hat, that just makes that just it, instantly yeah. makes it wrong. Yeah, it um, instantly makes us seem more like a hooker. Oh, like. and also to make it just that ninety, a little bit more nineties, Sabrina comes out with crimped hair. Oh, of course, yeah. of course, yes. the crimps, yeah, yeah. The crimped hair. So she, they're they're both ready for the rock video, which we said it features smoke and clowns, and her version of. Come on, everybody! Shake your whammy fanny, funk a song, funk a song. Shake your whammy fanny, funk a song. Yeah. Oh, we sang like angels. Yeah. Are you happy now? So, yeah, that's that's the music video. Of course, as if it was going to be anything else, it is Shake Your Whammy Fanny Funky Song Funky Song. Um, only when she's doing the song, she realises that she's made a big funky mistake and wants to go back home. But Vesta doesn't want her to go home because, boys, she admits... She'll be lonely and bored without her. Oh. We now see that side. This is the reason why Vesta is so reckless. It's because she is alone. Yeah. Fair enough. Hilda and Zelda aren't married, but they're happy together. Yes. And Sabrina coming into their lives has made them into a family. More yes. of a family. Vesta doesn't have that. Whether or- she has had it before or she just... All her life's chosen not to. I don't know. But, um, yeah, all she has is these people who worship her, but they're... Presumably, just creations of her magic. Yeah. They're, not, they're not real. Mm. Which begs the question as well. We didn't. We discussed this quite in depth when we were watching the episode, but we haven't mentioned it here. Is um, Vesta has staff, yeah. seemingly staff working for her. Yeah. She has uh, a butler. She has a masseuse. A very sexy French maid. Very which, sexy French maid. Which yeah. seems a little odd, considering she but, seems mad uh, crazy. No, yeah. no, no, no. We no. established. Yes. It's the pleasure dome. Yes. 
But Pleasure Dome is not complete without a, a sexy French maid. Not been to many Pleasure Domes. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, not been to many French maids. Every, every, everybody... Yeah. Every, well, <laughs> she likes France, doesn't she? Yeah. Um, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the basic question basically are these other I mean they're, they're definitely not witches or anything there, but do they do they work there or are these creations it certainly well, seems that way we've seen that they can make men out of dough but they only last a certain number of hours before they cease to be so uh, I don't but may, maybe more maybe more magic is possible in the other realm we don't mm. we don't know but uh, yeah so she's got staff working for her that are seemingly we believe her creations anyway and yeah they're a bit on the erotic side aren't they um but yeah, so Sabrina um, moves back home, much to um, Hilda and Zelda's delight, even though they downplay it to be a bit cool, saying like, yeah, we always knew she'd be back. Um, Sabrina then tells Salem that she saw him singing in the mirror, to which he replies with, no! <laughs> it is the best no I've ever heard. It's fantastic. <laughs> Hilda and Zelda contain their excitement. Uh, they give her rules, and she's more than happy to follow them, Aww. which is nice, particularly because she wants to go out to a late showing of uh, The Simmer with Jenny, and they say, not in those boots. F- yeah, f- fucking too right. Well, I'm sorry. It's uh, Yeah, not in those boots. But they're okay with the, with the long glove, PVC gloves yeah. and the leopard print and the hair. They're fine with everything, just not the boots. Yeah. But yeah. it's nice that Sabrina has, even though she can have anything she wants in there, none of it's real. And the thing she does want is her friends and her family, who are real. Yeah. And it's a nice thing. It's a nice matured from Sabrina. She's 16 years old. Uh, the world is a royster, especially being a witch. Yeah. But she chooses the things that are real and that mean the most to her. Yeah. Which is lovely. Yay. Now, the credits roll, chaps. And this is the best credit scene to date, and no doubt, ever in the entire of this in series. In the history of television. It was fantastic. We have not forgotten, you may have, but we haven't, about Mr. Poole. <laughs> now, the last we saw him, he was screaming in his bathtub at this eight-foot um, bedbug, uh, trying to eat him or fight him or do something to him. We then cut to Mr. Poole. Um, who looks dishevelled, sort of tie everywhere, he's knackered, he's sweaty, still battling this bug in his bathroom. He then does, I've written, a bullet time dive to the side. <laughs> yes. Yes. Pre-Matrix. Pre-Matrix. Yeah, Pre-Matrix. Pre-Max Payne, that sort of thing. Just Yeah, with aerosol cans. <laughs> yeah. It was like, smell this papri insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so uh, yeah, taste this papri or something, any uh, potpourri or whatever. And yeah, he dives out of the bath in this sort of like this bullet dive, spraying this bug, which then sort of looks like it's melting and, and sort of wilting. Uh, he then wakes up sweaty in the corner of his bathroom. Um, thinking it was all just a horrible dream, saying, oh man, sushi and Kafka don't mix. We're like, drama joke, lol. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a brilliant drama joke that would just go over some people's heads. Yeah, I imagine most of the the preteen audience that would go over their heads. And that's the ending of the episode. So uh, very, very good, very clever episode and great to explore another branch to the Spellman family tree. Yes. Um, Graeme, what did you think of it? I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought Raquel Welsh was uh, was excellent in her role as Vesta. Um, I thought she brought a lot to it. Uh, the Pleasure Dome, even though we sort of mocked and sort of were a little bit sort of freaked, freaked out by how sort of fetishy it got in places, um, I, I thought it was very interest. Again, another, another very interesting and uh, fun concept that was uh, that was used very uh, creatively. Um, and I, I really liked that, as, as we were just talking about, sort of the the, the, the moral core, the, the message at the end of it that. Again, you sort of see Sabrina sort of understand that, yes, you know, 
being a witch, it does open up all these doors, literally in the case of the Pleasure Dome, to all these, you know, wonderful things that mere mortals can't have that you can. But at the end of the day, rules are still important, mm-hmm. family is still important, friends are still important, and so you should never leave them behind. And also, we saw Paul Feig fighting a, a, a giant bug, which was just terrific. <laughs> so I, I really did like this. Episode. Yeah, um, Chris, do you agree? Do you like? Did you like the uh, the message it was getting across in this episode, especially if, if this uh, show is aimed at? families or young teenagers, do you think it brought a positive message to viewers? Yeah, definitely a positive message. I mean, it's all about how uh, families should stick together, it's about yeah, supporting your friends, not letting people down. You can have all the fun in the world, but all it takes is you to just miss one thing or, or let one person down to completely change your mind. And it also shows us that rules and regulations are there to, to help you, because it, it, yeah, it's you can have all the fun and play all the games that you want, but it doesn't necessarily mean you'll get what you want in life, because as Vesta demonstrated, she is lonely. She's been having fun, she's been living in the Pleasure Dome her entire life, but she's lonely. Yeah. And so it's like, what does that lifestyle really bring? Mm. No, I, I completely agree with you. I think it was yeah, a fantastic episode. Um, it was nice, again, to see another part of the uh, the witchy, the Smellman's witch side of the family. Um, and yeah, I think it was great to show a mature side of Sabrina. Not that she's the most immature person, but you have to remember at the end of the day, she's a 16-year-old a teenager, a girl that just want you know, she might just be interested in, in boys and, you know, what she's going to do on her weekends. But it's nice to show a side where she realises the most important things to her in her life are family, friends and rules such yeah. needs to, the boundaries need to be set when you're growing up so a very good positive message which yeah without a doubt just the funniest moment so far two scenes of Mr. Poole fighting a bug in a bathtub <laughs> <laughs> fantastic um, Chris obviously you are our rank master uh, yeah. you were the one who um, of course if you're uh, cast your minds back to all our episodes Chris is the one in charge of setting what our scores are based on okay yeah so um, Chris what would you give this episode? I episode would, uh, seven. Well, oddly enough, I would give it seven whammies out of fanning. Excellent. Okay. I'd Great. give it seven whammies too. I would say. Okay. And I, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with you. Seven whammies out of fanning. Wait, did we just actually agree on our first? Good. Our first, I believe, unanimous uh, mark. Yeah. Okay, boys. Let me put my notes down. Let's, let's just bring it in a little bit. Not too much though, because oh. it is a very hot day. We are sweaty men in a little living room recording this. But well done, boys. We've agreed on something. Hey! Can we also agree on the fact that uh, Raquel Walsh is actually really attractive? She's very attractive. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So that's, yeah, so two don't, things... Don't think we're alone in saying that. No. Uh, so, mm. yeah, so seven uh, whammies out of Fanny we've given this episode. Definitely a good one to uh, to watch. Um, definitely a step up from a couple that we've watched already. And, yeah, it's got good morals, good character developments, another side of the family, and very, very funny. Um, so, boys, would you like to know what episode eight is about, which is our next episode? Yeah, go on, then. Okay, well, next episode, episode eight, is entitled Magic Joel. And Sabrina befriends a young magician in school who ends up becoming invisible and wreaking havoc. Oh, no. Like, like Hollow Man. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's a lot less whoa, whoa, uh, sinister. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and... I, I, sorry, are you saying that there's going to be an invisible man let loose in a high school where there are cheerleaders and a women's changing room? Chris, that scene happens 
You're shitting me. Not at all. Oh my god. <laughs> that scene happens. Oh my god. Oh my days. And we will leave it there for this week as uh, we join us for episode 8 entitled Magic Jewel on Sabrina the Teenage Watch. Thank you very much for listening. Boys, thank you very much for contributing. Uh, Graham to my left, thank you. Shake your whammy fatty funky song, funky song. Chris, to my right, thank you. Should really be called Pervy Joel. However you choose to listen to this show, whether it be via Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud or iTunes, if you could be so kind, please leave us a comment and a review. Your support and inspiration will give the show meaning. Otherwise, we're just broadcasting to no one. And that's just sad. Also, why not subscribe? Then as soon as every episode hits the air, you'll get it downloaded straight away. How easy and, dare I say, magical is that? If you head to our Twitter page, at SabrinaWatch, you'll find links to each of our episodes, as well as quotes, pics and skits of our favourite moments as the series progresses. Whichever realm you're from, thank you once again for listening, and I hope you tune back in next week. And until next time... Shake your way.